Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Welcome, listeners. Thank you very much for tuning in. And today, a very exciting guest on the Primal Blueprint podcast. It's L. Russ. Thank you for joining us, L. Hey, Brad. I'm so excited to be here. Um, for those of you who don't know Elle, she is right there in the epicenter of <laughs> primal living, working for the Sissons and uh, managing all sorts of business affairs and personal affairs for them. So you've been around the primal scene for many years, but have really taken it upon yourself and had some life-changing uh, experience here as a consequence, I suppose, of your uh, proper job. Absolutely. Well, let me start by saying that for the first year I worked for Mark and Carrie, even though I had read the book, I still was resistant to really getting into it and following the principles. And I have been an athlete myself and sort of had my own pre-conceived you know, conceived notions of what health and fitness was. So I still was resistant about eliminating grains and some other factors of the primal blueprint. What really motivated me was after a year of not having any progress with weight loss or health. And being around Mark and Carrie, who are 20 plus years older than me, and seeing that they looked better than I did. And I thought, how is it that they, 20 years beyond me, look in a lot of ways even younger? And so I picked up Mark's book again, my second year working for him, and I read it and realized how I had been in violation of the principles and how that was affecting my health. So I just went full force, and it changed my life. Uh, I really appreciate your... Um, your uh colorful language where you're in violation of the primal blueprint principles. It's very, it's true. very clever. <laughs> and uh, that reminds me, it's funny when um, uh, Mark does his Q&A, it often comes up in, in our background when we're talking that, you know, he used to coach me when I was a professional triathlete and he'd jump in and train with the the top guys around Los Angeles who were competing on the professional circuit. And by that time, he was a retired, washed-up old guy. I mean, he was, you know, late 30s. Yeah. And he'd join us on our cycling rides and be going off the front in the lead. And it was very frustrating for the, the full-time athletes to see this guy who was, you know, working in a proper job and personal training others rather than pursuing his own competitive aspirations. But he was still in good enough shape to perform at the highest level because he'd figured out the stress and rest balance better than the average chronically training athlete. So it reminds me of when you say, oh, I'm hanging around these folks that are older exactly. than me and they look better than me. And that's a, that's a violation. That's offensive. Yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> not fair. And this isn't right. But um, I want to go back to a little bit of what you were talking about with even just the training and overtraining in athletes. What I'm an example of and what I think a lot of people are and just don't know is that being a sugar burner or living a non-primal life can put you in a state of chronic cardio and cortisol production to the point where you can develop 
a metabolic problem, which is what happened to me. Now, a lot of athletes who overtrain can suppress their thyroid function and really screw themselves up. It is sort of what happened to me as sort of just an amateur, everyday exerciser, going to the gym, doing the same thing, hauling butt up a a mountain, thinking that that was the best for me. And what I did is I gave myself a metabolic problem that I didn't have to have in the first place. So if I can prevent anybody from developing that, that's, that's my goal. Okay. So you came into, um, your fitness pursuits, uh, uh, casually, you weren't trying to, um, win any prizes or make the Olympics, but describe how you got yourself into such a, a bad hole to get an actual, uh, serious health issue. Right. Well, I, back in the day, never competed on a serious level, but I did teach a lot of sports and I competed in basketball and tennis and a variety of other just really fun play sports throughout my life. When I really took fitness to a new level about 12 years ago, I really was of the mindset, like Mark talks about, this social construction of no pain, no gain, the harder you work, the better the results are. And so every day I was in a state of chronic cardio without knowing it, meaning exercising way above 75% of my maximum heart rate, and really creating a situation where cortisol got to a dangerous level. And as we, you guys have probably talked about on the show and for the listeners out there who don't know, when you're in a state of chronic stress, whether that's via exercise, poor eating, or just life stress, and you're creating extra cortisol, it conflicts with thyroid hormones and other sex hormones and important factors that really can contribute to a disaster. So what happened to me is that I over-exercised myself, over-trained myself into a metabolic problem, which manifests itself in low thyroid function and adrenal fatigue, ultimately. And so I've had the experience of knowing what low cortisol feels like, knowing what high cortisol feels like, and seeing how my activity contributes to that. I just didn't know that I was doing anything wrong. So I, at one point in my life, did hot yoga five, six days a week. Well, that is seriously uh, overtraining your system. And as a result, when cortisol increases, you usually get belly fat. And that's kind of where I started to notice it manifesting, like, hey, I'm working out all the time, yet I'm getting belly fat. What's happening? And that's sort of one of the first indicators that maybe there's a cortisol issue. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing up this distinction. And I, we, we really can't uh, talk about this enough. We've touched on it. But to really get into what's happening with this uh, primary fight or flight hormone called cortisol. Right. Um, we often refer to it in a negative context, but of course it's extremely important for all kinds of energy regulation and energy production in the body. Um, but to, to get a, a basic framework here to operate from, um, when we trigger the fight or flight response, cortisol becomes elevated and we function at a higher level, not only um, physically, but cognitively. We're sharp, we're focused, um, our respiration increases, blood pressure, and all these things uh, elevate to allow us to perform uh, peak physical function, which is wonderful because if we didn't have it, um, we wouldn't be able to go out there and uh, run a 5K or complete a hot yoga class. But Right, as- and cortisol is what you need to wake up in the morning. I mean, right. one of the symptoms of low cortisol is, you know, if you wake up and feel like a brick just hit you, there's a problem because in our circadian rhythm, there's a cortisol production window sometime between, you know, 4 a.m. and 8 a.m. for people that sort of, you know, wake go to bed early and wake up early kind of schedule. But chronically high insulin and cortisol 
not only suppresses testosterone, DHEA, and other adaptive hormones, but it really messes with your thyroid, which is the major gland responsible for your entire metabolism. So what happens is, is there's a doctor up in Central California, Middle Path Medicine, and he's seen a lot of examples where patients who are stressed out come to him, they have low thyroid function, they're gaining weight, and once he assesses their lifestyle and diet, that can be reversed. So you can sort of catch these metabolic problems quickly. But if you're not aware, um, it'll, it can go too far like it did with me. I have to say, Elle, you are tripping me and other listeners out with your total command of this whole process. And it's so funny because it's like, here's Mark and Carrie hiring a, a, a business manager, a personal assistant, and you know she, she storms into work. And of course, you can make the flight reservations and do all that. And then all of a sudden, you're talking you know, above and beyond what anybody could imagine. So it's so exciting to see how you've you know gone through the years of starting out just with the ambition and trying to do the right thing by conventional wisdom, get into the hot yoga class. If twice a week is good, then how about six times? Um, But back to your story um, and the, you know, the chronic elevation of cortisol, and this is refresher from the book and a lot of listeners probably know, but you're suppressing your immune function and all those terrible things. Now, here's the thing that I had to learn this the hard way too. Uh, What happens is you hit that crash and burn point where because of the prolonged stress and the prolonged triggering of the fight or flight response, one day you wake up and that cortisol production is tapped out. And then you're, right. you're in deep trouble and you're in the burnout state. It is totally reversible. And I have been able to correct both high and low cortisol issues in my life. But it is something that takes a lot of attention and a lot of research almost as sort of a person in this world where a lot of doctors aren't factoring in the adrenal glands to normal human health. My biggest fear is for these people that are out running every day, um, doing what I did, and can really contribute to a serious problem. So not only can you contribute to insulin resistance that can lead to type 2 diabetes, but that also is in line with thyroid and adrenal function. If you're exhausting your adrenal levels on a regular basis, you're just asking for trouble. Your own thyroid hormones, your own hormones won't even be able to get to where they need to go to do their job. So the hardest thing for me in turning primal was to get rid of conventional wisdom on A, faster is better. I really had to take the time to wear a heart rate monitor and slow down and see where I was at because I'm a fast walker from downtown Chicago. So my life is just spent running around everywhere. And I really needed to slow it down. That was kind of hard to get in my brain. The other thing that was tough was the idea of eating more fat. You know, that's just something you have to get beyond once you, once you go primal. So the biggest joys of going primal, the biggest changes I've seen are number one, I really had a terrible issue with food. A lot of Mark's primal success stories say the same thing, that their mental emotional issues of craving and always thinking about food went away. It's borderline food obsession. But when you're a sugar burner and you are overstressing yourself in whatever way, whether it's through work or whether it's through exercise, you're going to eventually have a cortisol issue that's going to affect weight and could possibly turn into something serious. Well, it's also, when you talk about the food obsession, um, it it feels like there's a legitimate reason because you are addicted to sugar. And so why not be obsessed with your next meal because it's the thing that fuels you. So to break free from 
that, uh, that metabolic pattern of sugar dependency, um, we believe strongly that that's kind of the, the portal to truly healing from all sorts of food issues. And of course, you can't comment on um, medical diagnosis, anorexia, bulimia, all those things. However, if you are addicted to your next meal in a physical sense, you are going to have trouble and expectations of trouble. Yeah, and your brain is also craving that sugar, you know, because you've made it crave it. So you're getting a mental signal that's like you almost have to eat the sugar. It's like you're compelled to. So once I got out of that cycle and became fat adapted, the biggest differences I noticed was I already had great energy and mental focus, but my mental focus for sustained period of times increased like tenfold. And on top of that, aside from really great, wonderful fat burning and weight loss that I am so happy about. The mental energy along with the biggest triumph was really over the food obsession because constantly thinking about food on a regular basis makes you kind of crazy. And I understand that treadmill. I understand that hamster wheel and I've been on it. And the other thing is really energy. People shouldn't have to take a nap at two, three o'clock and be exhausted. And I never take naps now. Um, so back to that low cortisol story yeah, where, where first of all, you're pumping out, pumping out. Your body's managing through. It's, it's really sort of a crisis situation um, for however long it takes for you to bomb out. And then one day you wake up and like you describe, uh, among many other symptoms, is you just don't have that even normal baseline energy to sit at your desk and continue working through the afternoon or even to you know, do half of your normal, uh, normal everyday workout. Exactly. And one of the things that really can assist with adrenal health is something as simple as salt, sea salt, um, and things like B vitamins. And I'm not suggesting that people run out and go buy a bunch of supplements. But understanding how to support your adrenals from a nutritional and sort of mineral vitamin level can really help people who are going to be the triathlete who's going to go train for two months I'm not going to be that person, but I worry more about those people who are in a state of just over-exercising. Uh, so that takes us to kind of your, the evolution of your um, interest in this and your personal healing. And now you are uh, open for business doing coaching, huh? I am. You can go to my website, paleoprimalcoach.com, or email me at paleoprimalcoach at yahoo.com. I'm really, really excited about spreading the word to others. Not only is this course so great for just anyone who is interested in really achieving ultimate health, I've read all of the paleo primal books out there, but taking the course was almost an in-depth graduate study level for me, quite difficult actually. I mean, you know, not impassable, but it was tough. And I think the course is probably about, what, 450, 500 pages of serious science and history and information. And it just refueled and re-inspired me. By being primal myself and living by example, so many friends and family members around me have also achieved amazing results. My brother has lost 40 pounds. I have another friend who lost 40 pounds um, and cleared up skin conditions. Living by example is really the way I've been able to do it. And now after being certified, I want to take it to a different level. I want to help somebody who is clueless about this. I do offer a free 15-minute consultation. So anybody who does have a consultation with me is going to get enough information to go out there and investigate it themselves before deciding whether they really do need or want a primal coach. As far as the course goes, I just feel that anyone who's on this paleo-primal path 
should really look into it if you have if you have the ability to take it because it is a level of knowledge that I can also now spread to others. I have science and history backing me up when I do make claims to friends and family members and people that I meet. And it, it gives me a little level of credibility on the subject. I think that's an important point because you do encounter challenges in uh, everyday conversation at your, uh, your, your latest cocktail gathering or um, wherever someone is you know, nice enough to engage you in your, your new passion and your, um, your, your dietary philosophy. Um, you often get pushback uh, on many of the main talking points. And so it is important to kind of be armed with a little bit of background to uh, a statement like saturated fat is actually good for you and um, mm-hmm. not at all harmful. And also so many other objections. I've heard everything from, well, grains are in the Bible, to I have Hashimoto's, I can't be paleo, which by the way, that statement is sort of the reverse. If you do have Hashimoto's, you really need to consider going paleo for a variety of reasons that you could look up on the web right now. Mm -hmm. But I've heard so many objections. It's really nice to have not only a certification behind me, but this really vast base of knowledge that I never had that I could not get from all of the books that are out there right now. And the objections will come up, but it's nice to be able to add some science and facts to the responses. Did you say your website was primalpaleocoach.com? Paleoprimalcoach.com. Paleoprimal coach. That wasn't taken? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. I was very lucky for that. Paleoprimal coach. Wow. Paleoprimal coach and paleoprimal coach at Yahoo. But you can check out the website and contact me. Um, Yeah, that's great, Elle. I mean, I think the the credibility factor of you having been down this road and healed yourself uh, is so strong as a coach. I mean, there's nothing that even can compare to it. It's it's like um, you know someone with all the knowledge in the world, but not that practical experience of actually living through um, not only the the struggle but the positive results uh, that puts you in a perfect position to help others. I really have suffered. I cannot tell you how much time in my life has spent inside feeling so uncomfortable in my own skin and body. And whether that was because over-exercising and a non-primal life gave me a thyroid problem I had to fix, which I did, it still is something that you have to watch on a regular basis. It's very easy to fall down the chronic cardio staircase. It's so easy to go on a walk with someone. They're walking a little faster. I pick up my pace. Next thing you know, we're uphill. I'm sweating, and now I'm burning glucose. And these are the things that you just have to sort of train yourself to go slower, to really look at the exercise and movement components of being primal, because that's what people are missing here. This isn't just a diet. This is a way of life and how you're moving. And the way I moved really affected me in a negative way. Because my diet seemed to be somewhat clean at the time, but I was still a grain eater and not eating enough fat, etc. And I think a common pattern that we see is people doing that uh, excessive cardio, taking it a little bit too difficult, like you describe on the walk, not crazy, but um, going out day after day, but on the flip side... Um, coming up short or disregarding the importance of the brief high-intensity workouts that also contribute to hormone balancing and efficient fat metabolism and all those great things. I, I see that so often that people just go to the gym and do their elliptical and go home. And of course, that's way better than just sitting around. But you're missing you know, two of the three primal blueprint fitness attributes if you're just doing uh, heart work. 
I set an alarm every week to remind myself to do a sprint session every seven to 10 days. Doing that is one of the things that really changed my body around almost immediately. The other side of that is there are people who hear sprinting and then they're going to do that three to five days a week. So, you know, I think pace is so important and everyone's pace if you looked at it, it's probably way faster and way harder than they realize that they're going, whether that's on an elliptical at the gym, whether that's on a hike. I can't tell you how many times I see people just running up a mountain. Our ancestors, if they wanted to get to the top of a hill, were not going to exhaust themselves to do so because if they did, they'd end up being prey and exhausted at the end of that hike. So not only is it just make sense in terms of our history and our genetics, but it's also more meditative and enjoyable. I don't want to huff and puff and hate hiking because I've got a haul butt to the top of the hill. That's not fun. So now my workouts and my hikes are so much more fun and relaxed, and I'm not stressed out about working out, nor am I ever sore after working out. Whereas when I was in a chronic uh, chronic cardio pattern, I was sore all the time. Uh, Not a good sign, huh? And also the other thing is people um, don't realize that excess stress in their life, not even just exercise stress, but just stress can really affect the adrenals in a negative way. So you can be pumping out extra cortisol, even if you're not an exerciser, just by being stressed out, lack of sleep, too much coffee, etc. So you don't have to be an over-exerciser to give yourself a problem. And maybe you can talk a little bit about this, but elevated cortisol and how it affects insulin and glucose is a problem because elevated levels of cortisol will contribute to glucose in a negative way. Yeah, what's happening is you're uh, feeding that, uh, that, that sugar-burning engine, right? And if you, you're going to do two things. One is you're going to find a meal and continue to consume around the clock or whenever you're, whenever you're slightly hungry. Um, but the second thing is if you happen to miss a meal, that's when you get cranky, you start getting foggy, you can't concentrate. And what you do is you actually kickstart or trigger the fight or flight response again, and your body will convert lean muscle tissue into glucose through the process of gluconeogenesis, which when you triggered this over and over throughout this pattern of high carbohydrate meals and then high insulin production followed by the crash, the the hunger and the fatigue and and all that, um, you exhaust the fight or flight response just as you do from doing chronic exercise. So I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, there's this, this is like, you know, there's the executive track where the person who's flying around on jets a lot and not sleeping and working hard and under work, work pressure and barely exercising at all can fry those adrenals in the same manner as the professional triathlete who's uh, sleeping 12 hours a day and eating wonderful foods and balancing all the other forms of stress except for that excessive exercise. So there's many roads that lead to burnout. And sometimes chronically elevated cortisol can feel good temporarily in the sense that you feel like, wow, I've got all this energy. I'm on fire. And what's really happening is you're stressed out. One of the things I want to point out, and you can look it up online, but if anyone here feels like they are stressed in a way where their adrenals might be taxed, a few of the symptoms of high and or low cortisol could be sort of a pounding palps when you lay down, feeling like your heart's pounding out of your chest, overwhelmed by small tasks, you know, sensitivity to light, being really defensive or just sensitive to certain things, any sensitivities. Are you accusing me of burnout, Elle? I I am. 
Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Publicly. <Okay. Yeah. laughs> but really, I mean, those are the sort of symptoms you need to look at and start supporting your adrenals in a nutritional way. But even a bad diet can lead to chronically high levels of cortisol. So honestly, if I were to say the most important thing that I would like to impart on anybody is insulin and cortisol. And the management of it is the key. And the primal blueprint, whether you do the certification program or whether you just adopt the lifestyle, will completely reverse and change that over time. And you just get more and more efficient at burning fat, which is what I have noticed. So if we're talking to a broad audience here, first of all, if you're a coach, you can already pick up here uh, where this is heading, is that if you get this education and arm yourself with you know the, the, the blow-by-blow strategies of how to turn this stuff around, that's great. But for the individual enthusiast, because we have received a lot of requests from people that say, hey, I, I'm not a personal trainer. I'm just someone who really loves the Primal Blueprint and wants to learn more. Um, it, it feels like the course would be a great experience just to have uh, all your arsenal filled with, with knowledge and ways to respond and react to the various shortcomings or, or goals that you're pursuing that you're having difficulty with. In fact, actually, the certification course saved my life a little bit. I uh, was on the section of where they were talking about pulse, and I had realized it had been seven, eight months since I really took a track of my heart rate during exercise. Upon doing that test, I realized that my pulse was a little bit higher than it should be um, and also reached a little bit higher too fast. One of the things that helped with resolving that situation was the addition of B12 in my life and some salt, which I had been really lacking in, and sometimes that can resolve it. But what it did is it also just really let me know how hard I had been working. Um, Too hard. I had sort of just gotten off track and started to work out too much at a higher pace, and I had to slow myself back down. So even though I know what I know, you can fall off track easily, and you got to check in with yourself every now and then. Am I doing the right level of heart rate during my exercises? Am I going over? Am I going under? And to check in with that every few months. So the course really saved me from getting further into a stressful situation by monitoring my, my heart rate. So... The course also is really fascinating. I mean, it's just so fun to learn all of the history and the science behind these principles. And it just kind of refuels the dedication when you're seeing how steeped in real science this is. And I just can't ignore that part of it. And I know you can't either, and clearly Mark can't. But the science is overwhelming, and it's really fascinating. And I'm not a math science person, per se. I've always been a creative type. But to learn the details behind the principles in the way that the course presents them is really fascinating and interesting. Well, thanks. And I I think we should um, distinguish your uh, participation as you weren't a regular old uh, certification participant. You were one of our beta testers and probably the, the shining star of the beta testing process because you took this thing on um, before it was released to the public and uh, really went over every single question especially as you completed your, um, your test results and you did exceptionally well, right? You'd come out with yeah. um, 27 out of 30, correct? But then on the three that you missed, oh boy, you would come back with, uh, <laughs> with your challenges and the reasons why the question was unfair or ambiguous. And it was a wonderful experience. And I think all the uh, future participants will benefit from this because we really have to work through um, making a fair question but still challenging your knowledge of the material but you did uh, a tremendous contribution on that on that level of really picking out 
Um, what are the best things to test on? And always thinking from the perspective of the participant to have the, the best experience and also have a, a fair testing process to, to get you know, really high, high caliber graduates. And that was really fun for me too. I am not, I'm not a big fan of standardized tests. And I've, of course, taken the SAT and ACT to get into college. And then I actually took the LSAT as well to apply to law school at one point. I decided against that, but I did take the LSAT. And I find those test questions and the whole idea of standardized testing really interesting. And I also often had issues with those tests. So for me, it was exciting to kind of go through and try to break the test, try to look at it from a perspective of what can I find wrong with this? Because that's really the kind of beta tester that you want. So I just really tried to embody that, but it really was fun for me. So, you know, I, I'm glad it helped you guys, but I just had fun sort of going through the test questions. Yeah. And one thing that um, Mark and I, we were just talking about this yesterday um, that we should, we should mention here and, and really appreciate is... Um, you know, Mark's always making a point to say that the primal blueprint is flexible, open-minded, uh, always looking at the latest science. And so we're constantly updating this course and revising, in many cases, um, the official primal blueprint position, of course, from Mark being the thought leader here. But one of the things that you challenged us on was the the take on alcohol and how red wine is always touted as, oh, it's a great choice because it's got the resveratrol, which is actually now being second-guessed about just how beneficial that resveratrol is inside red wine, but also in a general sense. And if you look through the books um, and, and what Mark said about red wine, um, things are evolving now. And you really called that out and said, wait a second. Um, people are, a lot of them are trying to lose excess body fat they're trying to live a healthy lifestyle, and you, you called us out to really revisit that position on consuming alcohol in general and red wine in particular, and let's talk about a little bit of that and where you stand and what you, what you said to us. Well, I've never been a big drinker in my life because I've always been affected, affected by it in a way that's never positive for me. Also, I have seen the effects of alcohol on people, and throughout my life, I can say is that I can pick out sort of out of nowhere, a big time drinker, like a big time sort of consistent drinker. And you can usually see it in the skin and the level of bloat. And so, you know, I've always sort of been turned off by what being a heavy drinker would represent anyway. But here's where people take it to a different level. On the resveratrol level, and I could be wrong here, but isn't the amount of red wine you'd have to consume in order to get the levels you would want kind of crazy. Like, it's not just a glass of wine. It would have to be like a gallon. I mean, I have heard that, and I, I could be wrong on that. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, sure. Absolutely. I'm a non-drinker, so, you know, you and I are kind of yeah, we're maybe buddies. not the most biased uh, people to talk to on the podcast here, but... Um, well, what I've seen with other people, though, who do drink wine is taking that resveratrol health benefits and using, as, using it as an excuse to sort of justify their daily bottle of wine habit or even daily two to three glasses. And so it's almost like the 80-20 rule. Um, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this many times. 80-20 to me, meaning like 80 primal, 20, don't worry about it. People misinterpret that as well, just like they do wine and alcohol consumption. And they take that 20% to mean, oh, I'll fill that with grains and the other non-primal foods. I don't think that's really what Mark intended. I don't think that's what anyone intended. I mean, Yes, you have to be a human. You're going to be at a party, have a, a chip every now and then with a piece of cheese and eat a piece of cake. Sure. But 
people take it to a different level. And I've heard people say, oh, I'm 60-40, I'm 70-30. But that 30% is like heavy sugar, heavy dairy, heavy wine. So I just think people take the red wine health claims to a level that is justifying kind of over drinking. And not only that, but let's really look at the facts about it. I just don't think that anything present, in fact, I think there's a t- statistics that said if a woman drinks a glass of wine every night, it increases her chances of breast cancer by 40%. That could be changed as a, as a statistic, but I believe that in the past few years that came out as a statistic. Do you know well, anything about that? Um, not, not specifically, but I do know that the reason you uh, feel a buzz is because you're ingesting a toxin into your body. So, um, <laughs> there you, go. you know, it's worth sitting back and saying, and I, I thought Mark did a great post a few weeks back where he realized that he enjoyed that glass of red wine as a way to de-stress from the stresses of his busy day running the empire, right? And then he decided to even second-guess that as saying, wait a second, why do I need a substance to de-stress? Why can't I do some of the many healthy methods of de-stressing that are written about on Mark's Daily Apple? I can pull up several posts for reference for meditation or doing uh, light activity or, or something besides reaching for uh, a, a substance that's toxic upon ingestion. And on the, on the weight loss question, um, as you strongly emphasize too, uh, you know, alcohol is known as first to burn, and we get into this in detail on the mm-hmm. cert. But when you ingest alcohol, all other uh, metabolic calorie burning is on hold while your body immediately processes that alcohol. And because not of the, only that, but then ahead. the chemical component contributing to you craving food, getting the munchies. Yes, on a, on a, on a chemical level. Um, you are increasing your, well, what's happening is your blood sugar is dropping as a consequence of ingesting the alcohol. Therefore, you're getting that, that appetite. And furthermore, if you consume either carbohydrate or fat calories with the alcohol, so in the case of a mixed drink, you're consuming the carbs and the alcohol together, what happens is those carbohydrates are more likely to be converted into fat because you're not burning them right away in the bloodstream because you're burning the alcohol first. So that's what the first to burn uh, distinction is all about, is saying that first it's the alcohol, and by the way, if you're uh, doing a mixed drink, those carbohydrate calories will be converted into fat. Not the alcohol itself. And that's a common misconception that, oh, alcohol is fattening because it converts into fat in the body. Not true. It's, it converts into other things that we'll not go into. But um, the, the, the key takeaway point is, yes, it can compromise your body composition efforts. And then secondly, yeah, the 80-20 thing. I mean, anytime someone's spouting a percentage to me, I right. do my, my red flag goes up because as Mark wrote in the Primal Blueprint with that nice John Wooden quote at the bottom of the page, um, the idea behind this is to strive for 100% primal compliance, but accept an 80% success rate. So if you're striving for 100%, that means you're not going out of your way to find a grain to contribute to that 20% accumulation. That's absolutely a misinterpretation of the 80-20 rule. But you'd be surprised how many people do misinterpret that for their own purposes because they want to continue to, uh, basically they can't, almost can't control it because they're in a sugar-burning state, so they need to kind of keep that up in order to satisfy their brain. <laughs> That's right, but, yeah. um, 
the alcohol thing is really interesting. I love that Mark is so transparent and honest about it and talking about it on his blog. I think that's great. I think uh, one of the things you mentioned earlier about Mark being a human being and just like us and striving to sort of be open if there's a new evidence that comes in that would say otherwise to something he claimed. He's very open that way. And, you know, I think that's why people resonate with him and why I did as well, because he's a human being who talks about the tests and the mistakes that he makes himself. You know, he's not perfect. Um, And so he's the first one to admit like, hey, I tried this, this happened. I tried to take a piece of bread here. This happened to me. You know, he's honest about his sort of testing his primal abilities over the years. And I like how he shares that with his readers. It's awesome. Oh, and yet to finish that thought, so the post was several weeks back and he was talking about how he's been uh, six weeks uh, experiment and also testing his gut health because he is a sensitive person uh, with the um, leaky gut and, and dropping the grains, of course, changes life. But also he believes that the alcohol is a contributing factor. So now he's up at, I don't know, 9, 10, 11, 12 weeks experiment and um, it's it's nice to read about, and in fact, in the cert, thanks to you calling you know calling attention to this, um, we revise the position just to further emphasize the fact that this is a option. If you insist upon drinking, of course, red wine is going to rank higher than beer because the beer is made with gluten and red wine has a bit of nutritional benefit, but it's not really anything to say, hey, this is part of the primal plan and you should uh, you know, go out of your way to, to pour yourself a glass of wine. Exactly, yeah. Just abusing the 80-20 rule or the claims of the resveratrol, resveratrol benefits in red wine is... Um, I know, just keeping people on a bad train. I'm just glad that he's sort of sharing his experience with others. Well, L, we've had uh, a wonderful talk here and so much appreciate you detailing your experience with the CERT and also uh, the great things you're doing as a coach. So give us that uh, website once again and um, we'll have people get over there and check it out and also hopefully check out the Primal Blueprint certification website at primalblueprint.com. I, I cannot express enough how exciting the course is and how much fun it is to take. I mean, it's it's a little bit challenging, of course, but it's really interesting. So anyone who's interested in furthering their own lifelong anti-aging plan and also just their own primal health or considering being a health coach, I think it's a wonderful course. And the first of its kind. I mean, have you guys mentioned that? There is no other certification training currently in the world in primal paleo health, is there? Yeah, that, that's true. And we um, were apparently in, an, in a race to develop this with a few people spouting off over the last two and a half years saying, yeah, I'm working on my cert course, but uh, of course, nothing has materialized yet. And so we're really happy to finally have something organized and accessible to everyone. And I think the best part, especially for busy people that you know have trouble, let's say, planning a trip to PrimalCon, which is a wonderful, life-changing event, but you got to get your butt to Oxnard or New York or whatever, and it's, it's a challenge. Here, you can study in the comfort of your own home online, and we absolutely bombard you with <laughs> educational materials. And it's not like you have to um, watch the three-hour video of Mark doing the transformation seminar, but guess what? If you have the time to do that, 
in bits and pieces of 20 minutes an evening or something and then tackle one or two modules on the weekend or you're busy, you leave it, you leave it sitting there for a week. There's no rush and there's no pressure and it's all at your own pace and you bookmark your progress and you proceed with the test taking one at a time. So yeah, it there's really no is, time yeah. test, which is nice. You can really <laughs> take your time on the test. You don't have to rush to complete it within a certain period of time, which is great. Oh, that's right. Maybe we should put a timer on there for the people that are, you know, uh, <laughs> going and go- they're Googling every single answer. We were talking about, like, how can we, um, you know, keep the security tight here? And, of course, you cannot copy the material out of the cert. It's copy protected. But right. I suppose if you Googled every single line and every single question and you spent four hours, you could pass the test, which, you know, However, guess what? However, <laughs> you also might get some information, a lot of misinformation regarding those answers if you Google them. <laughs> that's right. It has to be has to be coming from a proper source on the same websites. So, L. Russ, thank you so much for taking the time. One of the true queens and leaders of the primal movement at the epicenter in Malibu, California. Uh, so again, you're, you're obviously coaching locally in Los Angeles, but also uh, taking remote clients. What's the website again? Paleoprimalcoach.com. I think I'm going to remember that. That's pretty easy. I hope so. And so, there's a contact form on the site, or you can email me directly at paleoprimalcoach at yahoo.com. Most of my work is phone coaching, so you don't need to be physically in Los Angeles in order to benefit from it. And I do offer, again, a free 15-minute consultation where you're going to get a lot of information right in that phone call so that you can go out, do your own research a little bit. And if you find that coaching is right for you, great. Or if anyone would like more information on the course um, or wanted to hear my experience about it, I'm happy to share that too. Well, thank you, Elle. And I know the way you talk, 15 minutes, you're going to get a lot covered because you don't waste time. I mean, we're going at it every time Every time we talk, and especially on this podcast. Uh, it's been a, 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 wonderful, uh, a wonderful show. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Elle Russ, our guest. This is your host, Brad Kern, signing off for the Primal Blueprint podcast. We are so pleased to announce the release of the long-awaited Primal Blueprint Expert Certification Program. The Primal Blueprint Cert is a comprehensive online educational program consisting of an educational course with examinations along with a robust package of multimedia educational materials, instructional videos from Mark Sisson, audiobooks, and digital books. The certification package is designed to deepen your knowledge of the Primal Paleo Evolutionary Health Principles and become empowered to teach others to live primally. The online course consists of 13 separate educational modules, text and video instruction, that align with the eight key concepts and five action items of the Primal Blueprint 21-Day Total Body Transformation book, except for it's about five times more detailed. This is the real deal if you want to take your knowledge and professional expertise to the next level. After each educational module, you will take an online exam consisting of true, false, and multiple choice questions and receive an instant score. It's great fun and it's a great challenge. When you pass all 13 modules, you join our elite group of certified experts helping to promote the primal movement with Mark Sisson. You get an awesome completion kit of goodies, including apparel and promo items, and you build your profile in our online certified expert directory to tell the world about your elevated status. 
This is the first and surely to be the preeminent online certification course in the primal paleo evolutionary health world. It's a great opportunity to invest in yourself and step up to the next level with your knowledge and commitment to primal living. You can learn all about the Primal Blueprint Expert Certification and register for immediate access to the course and the educational materials at primalblueprint.com.